coming to you live on a Tuesday night to the All That Jazz Podcast. We are your hosts, Mr. Ben Jones, the brains of the operation, the reason we're here, and Zach Hazeldine. Who's who? I'm Ben. (laughs) Identity theft is a real problem, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) We should quote The Office every episode. Uh, Maybe not, but that's a funny start. How we doing, Jazz fans? How we doing, Ben? It's been a week since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've covered a lot of ground here on this podcast. We hope that we can continue much more ground. We have a very action-packed episode for you today that we are very excited to get out there on the airwaves. I look over at my uh, my wonderful co-host Ben, and he is currently tweeting out some stuff from our Twitter account. If you haven't followed it yet, you're behind. Um, for all you people out there, I'll let Ben introduce it because as you listened last week, I slaughter our email account and our Twitter account every time I try to, <laughs> to pub it. What is it? Jazz underscore pod. Follow us on Twitter. There you have it. And our email, if you feel like emailing us, is? Best Utah Jazz Podcast at gmail.com. There you have it. Um, we are not full of ourselves at all. Well, we're not, but we just like to, you know, we're a growing podcast. I mean, help some, help some people out. Mm-hmm. We're growing a jazz community here. It's not an easy task. Anyways, Ben, we uh, in the last week of the Utah Jazz, jumping right into this, we've seen highs, which were many, and we've seen a low, which was actually, in my opinion, not super low. Yeah, not we at all. We had a win against the Pacers, which was awesome. We had a win against the Kings, which was awesome. And we had one loss against the Pels. Which I was okay with. That game was wild. Crazy game. Crazy, crazy game. Do we, um, want, do we want to start with the Pelicans game? Should we just jump right into it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, we're jumping right into things right now. The Pelicans game, which, as most of you saw, came down to the wire. Uh, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell threw some haymakers via knockdown threes and incredible shots, and Brandon Ingram threw them right back in his face. And it went back and forth and back and forth and was truly a heavyweight battle, unlike anything we've seen so far. Until the last .02 seconds where somehow mm-hmm. that one guy, Hayes, decided to foul Rudy on the inbound pass where Rudy went one of two, tied the ball game, and sent it to OT. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh... Never seen anything like it. <laughs> I'm more of a spirit of the law kind of guy when, when fouls in the last seconds. Where it's like, yeah, unless it's terrible, you you shouldn't call it. Should they have called that foul? Yes, yes. He got mugged. I mean, uh-huh. Faves did us a solid. Um, I had a great friend of mine text me and say, I think Favors still plays for the Jazz. He wanted him to win. If you watch the replay of that thing, like he straight bear hugs real bear. Jersey grab, like two arms wrapped around him. And then they somehow call the foul on Hayes, mm-hmm. who was also, like, had yeah. Rudy Gobert in the full Nelson. I do that yeah. to my little brothers, and Rudy was doing that to yeah, I mean, having that done to him by Hayes. They had to call a foul, right? Oh, I think you... Rudy's hands were tied, and so were the refs. Yeah, I mean, when, when the guy can't jump, you got to call it, right? He goes one or two from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. We go to OT. Yeah, it was kind of a, a a really good loss. I know that's weird. If yeah, last week's show I kind of mentioned out of all the stuff that could happen to us in this win streak, which was at ten games until we played the Pels. I, I for some reason had this pit in my stomach of I feel like we if we're gonna choke on one, this is the one. Like this is the one game, and it's be I, they're good. Mm-hmm. I mean they, they credit the Pels. I mean. My take on them is that they are almost a good team. They've well, lo- they've almost won a lot of games. They had a really good game against us. I mean, everyone showed up. Like the thing I, I took like some notes, and the thing I noticed was Brandon Ingram wasn't afraid of Gobert. Well, when you're like six nine and a mini Kevin Durant. Well, I mean, he was finishing around the rim, which no one does with Rudy Gobert, which is why he's incredible. Also, like. Their role players showed up. Like, Antoine Moore was hitting shots. Who? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson. Who? Who? Come on. Ja- come on, Utah. We know him. But, I mean, 
it was in the first half we weren't we just seemed like slow you know we didn't. yeah and i i think like the emotional toll it takes for a team to win 10 in a row and you're on the road it's a tough opponent that's fired up to beat you favors is fired up everybody's fired up like that's just a tough ball game and i mean pelicans really did show up where and when we don't show up and the other team shows up and it comes down to the final seconds i am going to be okay with that outcome yeah, and that that was kind of my thought. To be honest with you, that was just from a pure fan perspective. That was just an interesting oh, it was game. so fun watching Don hit those threes down the stretch and just silence the crowd time after time. Yeah. It was incredible. Did like, we mention Donovan at like forty six? It somehow got bypassed. And yeah. all the, and Ingram had forty nine. I, I, I mean, it was literally like, what kind of a game do you have? One guy that scores forty six, the other guy that scores forty nine. I mean, everybody else is kind of all over the place, but I mean, it was it was honestly a it was just a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. Did I, <laughs> I'm not really mad we lost. I, I'm, it pretty disa- fun, but I'm pretty disappointed. I mentioned Tuan Moore and Frank Jackson before Donovan freaking Mitchell. Man, shame on you. Seriously. Shame on you. Forty six points. Yeah, a really fun game. Um, the refs, I felt like screwed both of the teams over. Yeah. If that makes sense. It, it, I mean, it was a physical game. I mean, there was a lot of shenanigans going on if you watched yeah. it. Well, it's like I, I felt. And then Rudy, like, fouls someone, and he's, like, straight up and down. And mm-hmm. they didn't they reverse that call? No. We they challenged not, it. They and challenged they it, and they it. didn't reverse it because they're bums. That was my point. Like, we both teams kind of got screwed over, and the Pelicans probably should have won the game. So And they ended up winning the game. So it kind of worked out fine. It still sucks to lose, but, I mean, when Brandon Ingram drops 49, I, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to complain about it. I had one take from the Pels game that will kind of lead into the next segment. But I was watching this, and I was like, you know what would really help the Utah Jazz right now? LeBron James? No, close. Close. I thought to myself, if they only had – one other guy on the team that could alleviate pressure and be a calming presence while making shots, being a leader, and making the right pass. Mm, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> hey, by the way, did you see James Harden go 1-17 last night? That's like that's like a Christmas present for me. I'm hesitant to laugh because we nah. play him next week, but holy I, cow. That's, Talk about a nightmare. That's some good news. Did you see Kendrick Perkins said the Jazz should trade for Russell Westbrook? Are we playing two tweets and a lie? No, no, that's real. I I had to mention it. Have mercy. Because of the Russell Westbrook, you know, calling presence won't take bad shots. Okay, well, so my idea, (laughs) and maybe this could occur to Big Perk, too. My idea was if only we had a guy like Mike Conley that could come in and play and alleviate pressure and do things that we need him to do and have it work. And his idea was Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Kendrick Perkins doesn't listen to the pod, that's why. Uh, right. So anyways, that's the Pels game. As many of you know, that night ended. We lost. The win streak lost. But we got right back to business against the Sacramento Kings. Who might I add looked pretty sorry. <laughs> ben, were you able to watch any of that game? Ooh, thanks for asking. Uh, I was. I, I watched the second half. And tell us why. <sighs> There's this thing called AT and T Sportsnet. I, I'm thinking we should start a segment just complaining about AT and T Sportsnet because <sighs> what's wrong with you guys? Like. We have a contract with you, and you don't broadcast the first half of the, our game. So I had to watch a 10-minute highlight video and the second half. Um, but, yeah, I'm just like, what, what are, like, AT&T Sportsnet, you have a contract with an NBA team, and you're not honoring it? Well, they also have a contract with the University of Colorado basketball team, apparently. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, I have some potential inside info on this. I was talking to a friend who uh, recently decided to watch the show. Thank you. Um, or listen to the show. Uh, he said that the Millers actually met with AT&T 
because essentially they lied. They said that they were having broadcasting difficulties, which it's like, how do you randomly, you've never had a broadcasting difficulty in like the nine years you've been here. And then you accidentally, what happened here was someone fell asleep in the control room. I don't know actually what the AT&T Sportsnet control room is, but I picture like a fat guy that has to work nights all the time with hundreds of TV screens in front of him, like eating a bag of Cheetos. And he totally fell asleep and forgot to switch the network. Why am I thinking of switch. the of the Toy Story guy with glasses? That's yeah. exactly like kind of who I'm thinking yeah. of right now. Just a big greasy individual that's like mad that he has to work nights, but also doesn't complain. And he was like watching Netflix and forgot that he was supposed to direct the jazz broadcast to Utah. <laughs> and so we ended up watching. I, I don't even know what college basketball game it was. Wasn't it Colorado? Something. Like I fast-forwarded through it. Well, there you have it. So word is that the Millers met with them and lit them up. Do you know what else happened? At least this is what happened with the recording. The first half was the game. The second half, they it was showed like this this message for the whole second half. Which said what? Which We're was sorry. Like, We're sorry. What are you doing, AT&T Sportsnet? Like, they, they couldn't get a hold of the guy in the booth because he was asleep. Ugh. So someone was calling his cell. They're calling the work desk. Yeah, so you're I, ruining it. The Jazz are really mad at us. They're our biggest client. So and I, he was asleep. So I had to record the second half when they do like they rebroadcast it every night. Uh-huh. Jazz the rebroad. Yep. So I showed a plate to that. Oh, <laughs> sorry for the noise. Yeah, Technical they rebroadcast. They rebroadcasted that, and I showed up late to that and only watched the second half. I so I'm gonna give you all a hack, okay? And this only works for you direct TV customers out there, which I know many of you are against because they refuse to carry channel five for quite a while. And they're expensive. Um, but if you do have the uh, if you do subscribe to ATT Sports or uh, Direct TV through ATT, whatever it is, you can download the ATT Sportsnet app and then sign in. Um, and then you can watch the game. And they actually broadcast the right thing through that app. So I was able to watch the game. And I'll describe to you what happened. We were a buzzsaw. Mike Conley came back. He came in off the bench. He only played like 10 minutes or something like that. He looked phenomenal. Um, we had the ball movement of the year night that night where we all saw the highlight of it. I hope most of you did. But the ball just pinged around and Conley was a – Key piece of the cog in that one. The ball movement changes when Conley plays. It, it was fantastic, and we were a buzzsaw. And we completely annihilated the Kings. I don't think there was ever a doubt in any Jazz fan's mind, whether you were at the game or mm-hmm. able to watch or the rebroadcast or whatever. It was outstanding. And we ended up winning that game 123-101. to 101. Yeah, I mean, the bench was the thing that st- like stood out to me. Clarkson especially just bawling. But the thing also that Rudy was a monster. Yeah, night. well here's here's the thing that I've noticed with Rudy having big nights. The more points he has, the more likely their the team's defense sucks. If that well, makes any I, sense. And I actually think like the more it's obvious that unless you are also an elite center in the league, Rudy's probably gonna feast. But, like yeah. we're just kinda getting to that point now. And like who do the Kings have at center? I mean, it was Marvin Bagley, and he's not a defender. Rudy it was nine of eleven. Let me read you this stat line: nine of eleven, fifteen boards, with twenty-eight points, mm. which meant he hit a lot of free throws. When the guys, when like I noticed when I, I went to the Knicks game a few weeks ago, and like the same thing with Mitchell Robinson, like they just were, they had no idea what they were doing defending the pick and roll. It's it, it's honestly silly, and I, I I'm I still like get on I go on kicks where like I forget about how Rudy Gobert's not really respected in the league, and it's because I don't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff. But he's like viewed as only a defensive player. Mm-hmm. The dude is just feasting right now on the league, and yeah. there's nothing you can do about it, and. All I can say is keep doubting the guy because I'm pretty sure he takes that doubt and then converts it to a one-handed slam in your face or a block against your best offensive player Mm -hmm. that goes to the fifth row of the stands. I mean, the thing about him on offense is, I I said this last week, and I'm stealing it from Joe Ingles, but, like, 
the goal is to either get a corner three or a Rudy dunk on the roll. And there were a lot of dunks. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's like the first step. The off. That's like the first goal of the offense is like, okay, get a Rudy dunk. The second goal is to, you know, get the th- corner threes. <laughs> and I think the more Rudy dunks, the more, like, we are accomplishing the first goal of the It's the highest offense. percentage shot. Because then I yeah. can I tell you what Rudy shoots while dunking. 99%. <laughs> I don't actually have the stat on that, but I know he like missed a dunk the other day, or sometimes he gets fouled or like weird fouls that don't get called, like weird things happen. Yeah, I'm willing to bet Rudy dunks at 99. percent Yeah, well, and that's what happens when you're 720 and you have like 39 foot wingspan and just dunk on guys. Yeah, I mean, as a full time job, the Kings stink. They were terrible. Yeah. I actually thought they. I had some hope for them this year. I actually thought like of teams that were on the surge and on the rise up. Based on what we saw last year, I thought they were going to be like kind of a sneaky good team. They have this young core, and Fox looks good, and um, Buddy Hield is good. And like, yeah, well, I don't know. And the young then, the young team thing was kind of weird because Buddy Hield's like thirty seven years old. Tech, I'm just kidding. He's like twenty seven, but like he's twenty seven and he's been in the league for like four years and he's still not like so it's like he's a whole lot you know i mean he's good don't get me wrong but it's like you're not a a young core when you have boy, a seven year old when you have two 27 year olds like yeah fox fox was good fox looked okay yeah fox fox is a transition guy the the oh crap what was i just gonna say about the game oh manuel moutier did not play yeah, Very much. and that's kind of going to transition us. I don't think there's much else to mention from the Kings game. We can go ahead and transition um, to just the real reason we're here, which was that huge win last night against the yeah. Indiana Pacers. The, I mean, are we, are we talking about the Pacers? We can switch. Like, Well, well I, I have a couple thoughts. First one, let's finish out this AT&T thing. Please just leave them. Please leave them, Jazz. Just do the right thing. Back out. And just say, you know what? Your options are this. Give us broadcasting rights so we can stream locally for free. <laughs> and uh, let's let's move on and let us let the people have what they want, which is the Utah Jazz at a fair and equal price. Um, anyways, moving on to the next point. And this will kind of transition us from the Kings game to the Pacers game. They were kind of the same game. So if you missed the Kings game and you watched the Pacers game, it was kind of the same result, which was the Utah Jazz being an absolute buzzsaw. The thing that I want to bring up that has to do with Moutier is the current rotation now that one Mike Conley is back on the playing again. Um, Moutier did not play. The reason why, Ben, was because Conley is back. Mm-hmm. He's kind of found himself out of the rotation and out of the gig. Right now, the Jazz rotation... And I've watched it for two games, and I think it is fascinating. At We start the game, and right now the starting lineup is Donovan, Joe Ingles, Royce, Bogey, and Rudy. And they play that way for like the first five or six minutes, and I don't even want to know what the offensive rating is for that group because it's astronomically high. It's They're phenomenal, which is credit to Quinn. Like It'd be really hard to disturb that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At the five or six-minute mark – we sub in off the bench Jordan Clarkson and Georgia Sneang, and we take off Donovan and Royce, which is interesting because Donovan is usually the last guy we sub out and the first we sub back in because the bench has always sucked. But that's not the case right now. So then we play that lineup, so then the lineup turns to Clarkson, Niang, Joe, Bogey, and Rudy. minute and a half later, two minutes later, we sub in Mike Conley, for Joe Ingles. So now the lineup is Conley with Clarkson and Niang and Bogey and Rudy. And then the quarter usually ends that out. We play Bogey and Rudy the whole first quarter, and Bogey's kind of the last ball carrier in there. We then move Rudy and Bogey off the floor. We bring in Bradley and then supplement it with Royce and Don, Conley, and Niang. And then we bring the starters back in and then it kind of accordions back to the second half this creates a lot of stuff that was a lot to talk about right now and i'm surprised they got it all out i gotta say i'm really 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 happy with it the fact that they're staggering 
the fact that they're staggering. And I want to throw it back to all that jazz episode one. Ben, what did you say? I would like the Jazz to stagger their lineups a little bit more. Why is that? Tell the people why. Well, the fact is we have a bunch of capable scorers that we don't have we haven't had in the past. I'm talking about Donovan, Boyan, Joe's a creator, I'm talking about Conley, I'm talking even Clarkson can score. That's that's the skill. He can score. Now the problem that they all also run pick and roll with Rudy if they mm-hmm. need to. Exactly. Interchangeable basketball people. I think when you have a lot of scorers, you can't all, like they can't all be eating at the same time on the court. If that makes sense. So I want Boyan to get touches where he's the main focal point scoring. Same with maybe Clarkson sometimes, even though I, I'm still a little you know cautious. Skeptical, let's say, about Clarkson. But, uh, I, I mean, he's good. Um, that kind of thing where guys can... I mean, because we talked about earlier, there was some... Tran- it, was a ba- it was a hard transition because Conley, Donovan, Boyan, they were three primary scorers on their team last year. And they can each carry a bench unit. And the way I thought about it was, hey, we can get a bunch of guys to... Carry the offense for 48 minutes. That's like, and that's my thought as well, is, you know, our starting unit, I would say probably including Conley, like if we included Conley in the starting unit. Which is going to happen when he's like 100%, I think. I I think so too. Um, But actually we won't say Conley's starting unit. I think our current starting unit and it's kind of hard to say because over the last 10 games, it's been like the offensive ratings, like number one in the league at like 120 points a game. Mm-hmm. It's astronomically high. I still don't think it marks up there with some of the best teams in the NBA, like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Bucks. you know, teams like that. I, I would still say like, especially on paper, it maybe plays there. If those teams are a pluses, we're probably like an a minus. Mm-hmm. But the unique thing about this is the way that we – the interchangeable basketball and also the ability to blend to these units where guys are taking minutes unselfishly and willing to play off the bench with the second unit, with the starting unit, whatever. I think it's elevated like quote-unquote our bench to being a B-plus at a minimum. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – And it's because our starters play in our bench and our bench plays in our starters in – Yep. Vice versa. It's completely b- blended. And over the last two games, when we've rotated guys out, we've had Conley, Donovan, Bogey, Joe, and Rudy. We've had those five guys, which is probably our starting five at this point. We have three of those five on the floor like 85% of the time. Yes. At a bare minimum, two of them on the floor for a 100% of the time. And then you also blend in these other guys that are not slouches. Like, I'm still super high on Jordan Clarkson. I think he is the best thing that the Jazz could have gotten out on the market. Like, we it's trade season right now. We already picked up our guy. Like, that is the marquee guy that we needed. And he, once again, he I think he changed the culture of the bench. Hmm. That's why I love him so much. But I also look at him like dumping in 20 points, 25 points at night if you need him to, or you can tell him, hey, I just need you to get out there and hustle. And he does that too. Like, you mix that in with this unit of Conley. Wait, hustle hustle how? I think he's a hustler. He's a hustler. I think he's out there fighting for loose balls. He's he's going after steals. He's, you know, I know, he's, I, I know he's flawed. I know there's a reason why he's not, you know, a starting caliber guy. He, I think he actually would be on a lot of teams. But... I, I think he's a hustler out on the floor and making plays. I mean, he's a guy that's going to get out there and give you all he's got every night, and that's what that's what we needed, and he's a spark. But you mix in guys like him and Royce and Joe even a little bit and compliment them with Donovan, Conley, these guys that in bogey that can carry a team, and suddenly we're dynamite. Like our, our best may not be an A-plus, it's an A-minus, but our worst is also like – at 89%, kind of one of those B pluses that you really wish the teacher would just bump up to an A minus and be nice. Like it rounds up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's outstanding. Well, the thing about Clarkson, it's like we just ask him to do a Donovan Mitchell impression 
just be like, hey, Clarkson, if you don't have it tonight, like, fine. But if, like, you can just come in and get buckets, just be a poor man's Donovan Mitchell when he's out. That's the thing I've noticed of kind of what we want from him. Oh, he he just kind of is like a Swiss Army knife on offense. I mean, he, I know he doesn't. He's not shooting the three ball particularly well, but he's making them. He can hit threes. He's hitting threes, but he's finishing at the rim. He can run pick and roll. He he's also passed the ball at a decent. You know, he had a great kick out to Donovan against the Pacers. He does get tunnel vision though. He he like he does he gets going to the rim and he's like he misses like a couple open passes and they might not have resulted in anything, but. It's kind of the optionality of being able to see it, I guess. And and who knows what I mean? We've in a way taught Moutier how to start making those passes. How we might be able to teach mm-hmm. Clarkson. I I've always thought Moutier was a pretty good passer. I think it was just making passing to our team, not the other team. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies as a good passer. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a great passer. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm <laughs> throwing a Vikings. Slam. <laughs> but anyways. That's dirty. I, it was. I was uncalled for, and I apologize. Yeah, so the Pacers game, though. we So the long of that, that started with Moutier's not getting time. I kind of, like, have a hard time being like, yeah, let's insert Moutier for this guy. Like, where is he going to take minutes from? I think – He's um, not getting them from Clarkson. I think when Conley starts again, which – we could talk about if that if that is gonna happen or not because I've there's been like I've heard some small things that like maybe he comes off the bench you know we'll get to that later in the show mm-hmm. we have a pretty fun segment to plan for you listeners later that that may yeah. be a part of it's a surprise but my point is I think he's gonna eventually start um, I would expect the same and I think that's when Moutier gets minutes. I, I think so too. Like and that's the thing, like compliments to Quinn. The way that this like he's maintained and maybe he's just waiting for it to break down. Like maybe he sees like the schedule coming up and he's like, you know what? Neither Joe or Royce deserve to be out of the starting unit right now because Joe's playing out of this world great and I love it. And Royce is shooting forty six percent from three and getting contract extensions and mm-hmm all this other stuff and I love it too. Like maybe he's just kind of waiting for the opportune moment for the starting unit to struggle a little bit and then be like, Mike, yeah, go take, go, go solve our problems. I mean, and Mike, Mike's probably like 75, 80%. I'll tell you what he looked. Oh, I mean, if he's 75 or 85%, he's a hundred percent of whatever that percentage is. He was dynamite last night. What did you think? Yeah. Ben? I, the Pacers game, uh, it left me drooling and wanting more. I thought that was the best game we've played this season. Over the uh, Clippers game? Yeah. We That, that Clippers game I was we more... Kinda had, we, we just talked about the rotation, but let's get into the actual game against the Pacers. Yeah. And what we saw, highlights... And I don't even know if there was a low light because we there, there wasn't. got there, ahead there was and a, then we stepped on the throat the rest of the game. There was a low light for Aaron Holiday. <laughs> well, yeah, and then Donovan took that light, shoved it back in his face, and told him to get out of the building. Yeah, that's his, that was the low light. Okay, oh, I thought you said that was that he had some light. Yeah. I mean, I the reason I think that was better than the, the Clippers game, the thing that stood out to me was like, okay, well, Don, Don just had an insane game. This was like... Yeah, Donovan could have scored 30. We also, like, he could have had five and gone, like, six for 18, and we still would have won. That oh, was- yeah. I mean, it, and it, was, it, was, it was the way that we were going about doing things. It was literally efficiency to the max. Ball movement beautiful. was to the max. Um, it, was, it, it was beautiful basketball. I mean, I, the highlight for me, I think, was definitely Conley. In 18 minutes, he went six of eight, two of three from three with 14 points. Yeah. But it was the way he looked. I mean, the jump shot, his legs were in it. I mean, no, it's almost I mean, like he had a little mini off season. It also wasn't, like, out of um, the flow. Well, exactly. And that was the thing that, like, when I say, like, the way he went about it, like, outside of energy and, like, being rejuvenated almost, it was all within the offense, which was kind of the problem mm-hmm. during the first quarter of the season. Yes, it exactly. was. It was not within the offense. It was forced. It was there was no ball sharing. It was, and last, I mean the blender was going last night. As Harpering loves to point out on every broadcast, mm-hmm. the blender, 
hottest segment on TV. Rudy Gobert effect. The Rudy Gobert effect. That's it. That's this thing. Another donation to the Utah Jazz Ford dealerships. $50. <laughs> it's all the cliche things they say. <laughs> but I, I was just blown away by that. And we, like, there wasn't any one person that was like, Rudy was phenomenal again. 8 of 11 was 20 points. Donovan was great, too. Donovan was, he didn't have his best night. He was 11 of 19, which actually is phenomenal. Um, he was only two of five from three. He had twenty five, but that fourth quarter, wowzes! There's nothing that makes me happier than when like a guy like a guy like Aaron Holiday. He's in the league because he's scrappy, and he's kind of had to fight for everything because he has two older brothers in the NBA, so he's always had a chip on his shoulder. But it's like, hey, he's the smallest Holiday. Yes, exactly. Like yeah. the runt of the the, the runt of yes. The group. He's the Napoleon. He's the Chris Paul of the family. Just. He's, I respect you know the the chip and the effort, but uh, know your place, scum. Know your place. And that was that's kind of I mean, do you want to walk us through the events? I, I had to watch, but the the sound was on like low, because I was like doing stuff last night. I, I look up from the t- I was folding laundry, and so I had the game on and was like trying to fold some laundry real quick. And I, like, stood up to go get another basket and came back upstairs. Like, it was, like, the fourth quarter. We're killing them. So I'm like, I can sneak out, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go grab some laundry, come back up, and Donovan is, like, <laughs> just ferocious. Like, and I'm like, what happened? Like, I, yeah. I, I guess he was, like, smacking or smack-talking Tony Bradley for a minute. I don't know. So here's what I saw from the game. Okay. And it was, it was just getting, like, chippy with holiday and and donovan it was like you know they were chirping at each other and then donovan like dunks on him or something and all of a sudden i see like i i muted it because i didn't feel like it you know we were at we had a family party oh yeah because my sister graduated from college yeah should we shout her out rachel way to go yeah we're proud of you here on this show good job rachel uh, I muted. I was it was muted, and all of a sudden Donovan's yelling at him. You could tell there were some uh, some Lace words, some expletives. Yes, there's some. Expletives. And that happened like five possessions in a row. Where like yeah. I'm like, what did this man do to Donovan? Like, did he insult him? Because it was like possession after possession after possession where Donovan would take him one on one, finish at the rim, and then turn around and yell, "You can't guard me! You can't guard me!" And then he gets teed up for it, and I'm which, like, holy crap. Which, listen, that was the highlight of the season for me. Oh, yeah, he's turning around, just get this man off of me. Like, like, who are you, bum? I am desperate for Mike Conley to get his first technical, but seeing Donovan get a technical just from, like, whooping a guy so bad, that I am all for it. That, that, was, was, that was the literal definition of taking a man to the woodshed and just letting him have it <laughs> and that's i i honestly like i hope donovan can do that i at, at his peak like peak angry donovan because he went hulk he turned from spider-man to the hulk is what happened and he took it all out on holiday all of yeah. it i hope that happens in a playoff series can you imagine vivid smart home arena during the playoffs donovan goes one-on-one and just owns somebody like that the place would erupt. Oh, it'd be great. Oh, and I, I that's that's the kind of jazz stuff that I just crave. I mean I crave Vivint during the playoffs. Joe Ingles is Paul George's daddy. Good complete daddy. So Donovan I'm pretty sure if they have each other's phone numbers, Joe Ingles in Paul George's phone should be daddy. So we I mean, should update a wiki a Wikipedia page. <laughs> How many people do we got to listen to this? Should we do that live? I'll do that live. But somebody go out to Wikipedia and update Paul George's page to show that Joe Ingles is his daddy. Yeah. But I, I, this is going to be a, a stretch. But I think Donovan showed that he is Aaron Holiday's daddy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Aaron yes. Holiday has a brother by the name of Drew Holiday. Donovan is also Drew Holiday's daddy. It's. I mean, it was. It, it was. It was so a sight to behold, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, good for them. That's all I have to say. The Jazz offense is rolling. Mm-hmm. We are. Uh, we're an absolute buzzsaw right now, and I can honestly say that I am not fearful of a single team in the league. Oh, 
Okay, I went to Paul George's Wikipedia, tried editing, and it says this page is protected to prevent vandalism. So I don't know what Jazz fans were saying before. So now I can't change to Joe Ingles being his father. If anybody knows any people at Wikipedia, try to see if we can get that updated. No, no, they're too busy begging for money. That's true. Every time you log in. Only 2% of our <sighs> listeners donate $1.50 to keep the site running. It's like, okay, Wikipedia, just do what you need to All do. Right, give beggar. us false, true information. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can write anything on Wikipedia. So you know, you, so you know what Is you're getting. Is that our second office joke yes. of the night? Yes, I, I have a dun, I have the Dunder Mifflin sweatshirt on, it, it, and it's awesome. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. Um, any last thoughts from the Pacers game? Best game of the year because part of it was because I didn't even feel like the Pacers were totally horrible. We were just that good. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that, that's actually like a decent Pacers squad. I think they're going to be. They did like that little poll during the game of. Who do you think will be the second mm-hmm. best team in the East? And the Pacers were in that conversation with like the 76ers, Boston, yeah, and crew, and that's like a huge compliment to them. The but East at the same time, sucks. like we, uh, that was a complete dismantle. They beat Denver the night before. Did you see that? Oh yeah, Pacers yeah. beat Denver the night before. In Denver is weird. I cannot wait to play Denver. Yeah, can't you wait. Take a, you want to make up a segment? This is a an un an un thought segment that we're about to do what's one team in the west that you're excited to play in this stretch coming up Who, uh, for me it's denver yeah and it's uh, because the world somehow thinks that denver's good you mean andy bailey who, who allegedly yeah. like has a vice grip on the world of being accredited writer oh. andy bailey sucks the guy's a hack <laughs> i can't stand that guy let's yeah. hear, let's get another tweet about how good Freaking Jokic is <laughs> like okay. I I cannot wait to battle test this Utah Jazz team against the Denver Nuggets. It yeah. is because I think we got their number and we're gonna ring their bell. Yeah, yeah. He goes to his Jokic altar and prays every night. Anyways, do you have a Western Conference team that you're looking forward to play uh, to like battle test? Oh, in terms of testing us, we uh, play the Rockets. We play Portland. We already beat. We play the Lakers. We play the Spurs. I really want to beat the Rockets. I do too. They're like in a distant second, or like a close second place to the Nuggets. Yeah. I want, I want to watch James Harden get so frustrated that he checks out of a game as if he went one of seventeen shooting from three. Yes. yes. I want Russell Westbrook to get so upset at <sighs> Donovan Mitchell or Bogey or whoever that he. His head explodes on the court, and we just have to clean up mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook because he's a melted pile of mush. That Russell Westbrook and James Harden, I was thinking about this just on the fly. They're like the two least likable players in the NBA for like complete opposite reasons. Like Westbrook just yells at people. He's Russell Westbrook. Well, did has you a temper see, did problem. you see that interview where he was like, yeah, I'm a family man, when someone asked him why he didn't show up to play or something like that? No, I did not see he that. He didn't show up to work. He's like, yeah, I'm a family guy. It's like, dude, they're paying you $40 million a year, dude. Yeah, and you can still be a family guy like everybody else in the NBA yes. and show up to games and, and then, have your head in it. And then James Harden's annoying because he just completely takes advantage of the refs and puts them in a tough situation and all that stuff and flops and all that stuff. I saw a thing from a writer, and I can't remember who it was or I'd quote it. Um, I don't, yeah, so it's just out there. But what it said was in this 1 of 17 game was that they questioned, and what it said was, I hate to be this guy that goes to cliches. And then he said, but I'm going to go here. I honestly am questioning James James Harden's heart and his willingness to compete and get through the hard times. And then he kind of went on to like say like, this is the same thing that happens in the playoffs. That I mean, like you go, you you face tough adversity, and then he just kind of is like, check out. I get it, but I mean, like, come on, what he this that this guy doesn't rest to his credit. He that's true. He plays every game to his you know unless he's got a legitimate injury. Yeah, I mean, he plays hard. He carries teams offensively. Like I don't think that's fair. He might run out of gas. He he might not he. Might not have the mental makeup to show up in big games. Like, that just might be the case, honestly. 
I I don't think it's fair to question his heart. Well, it's a good thing I didn't say it. It was this writer. Yeah. An anonymous source to the show. I still hate James Harden. Don't get me wrong, Jazz fans. I hate James Harden just like anyone else. I do too. I think he's going through a cold streak, and and I'm almost like I still have nightmares of what he did to us in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And so, and it's like knowing that he's capable of that at any given time. And it's only a matter of time before it happens again. Mm -hmm. Before it's like he scored 62 points off 25 of 30 shooting. It's like, wow, it's okay. Dante Exum doesn't have nightmares of. Ah, we mentioned Dante. Yeah, we said we'd never do that. Crap, sorry. That's my bad. That's on me. Ben, 100 push ups after the show. (laughs) The other thing that I'll point out with this Rockets thing, and then we'll move on. I hope. Once we play them, I really hope Rudy Gobert gets the best of Clint Capella. Yeah. I think he's due for that. Yeah. And I'm sick of people saying, well, Clint Capella really owns Rudy Gobert. It's like, you know what? No, 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 no. That's not what's happening. James Harden is just really good in the pick and roll and puts Rudy in no man's land because we have no way of stopping the point of attack. That's what happens. And that frees up Capella for a dunk. Mm -hmm. You know? And everyone else is like, well, what about his defense? And I'm like... When you can play a boxing one on Donovan Mitchell and stuff the paint with four defenders because Rookie Rubio is your best other three-point shooter and Joe Ingles is MIA, that's what happens. But do you really think that's going to happen this year? No, no. No. We, we replaced Bogey with Rubio or Rubio with Bogey and then added Mike Conley and Donovan's Donovan. Like, we're going to – I'm really excited for this stretch. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited it's to, be, gonna be fun. to be tested. Yeah, I uh, I'm a little worried about our bench in the playoffs event. I know this is like long term talking, but like particularly Clarkson and Yang, just because they're not defenders, and they and could be playoffs, exposed. Yeah, they can be exposed. Like I'm talking about like when we play LeBron, because I've seen some people who are excited, which is fair. Right, I've seen some people say, Jazz winning the championship, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's pump the brakes. I'm just here to say I'm worried about our bench. If we're talking about a potential championship, I'm worried about our bench and our top-end talent. But both fair points. Mm-hmm. I think the Jazz go as Donovan Mitchell goes. Yes. Well, if I he's going to be a superstar... I hope we peak during the playoffs. But but also we we it, same with Rudy for that fact. If if Donovan doesn't have a great game, we have Mike Conley and Boyan that can step up. Agreed. And I I think this next month where we've got I mean we're playing the cream of the crop in the West multiple times. I think that's going to be the real like indication of where we stack. We're not going to go on another ten game win streak. Yeah. In February. I, I mean, I do expect us to win a lot of these games, though. The schedule is getting harder, and this is when we're going to see. Starts on Saturday, folks. Yeah, this is when we're going to see how good this Jazz team is. Because uh-huh. as much as we want to credit this win streak, we've been playing terrible teams. There is an asterisk, asterisk to it. There's, uh-huh. an, there's like. Just we, as much as we give one when we're on a losing streak exactly. against good teams, we have to note the good wins against. Yeah, bad teams. So I mean, if we can, you know, come out of this stretch, you know, relatively unscathed. If we win the games, we should, and maybe, you know, win the games we should. Like if we, if we lose a couple games, I won't be, you know, dying about it. But I, I think, I, I just think at this point we should be confident playing against tough teams. At this 100% agree. The level and, we're and playing. Like, I, I really am excited to see this offense click against a good defense. Yeah. And and so he, just to get everybody hyped, here's the schedule coming up. It starts on Saturday. We do have a game in between then. We play the Warriors tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in the Bay, which means that we'll take them to the woodshed and beat them like they're the Pacers. We'll spank them. Yeah. And then on Saturday it starts. We play the Mavs, the Rockets, on the 25th, 27th, and then we have to wait until the 29th to play again against the Spurs, and then on a back-to-back we play the Spurs and the Nuggets, both on the road. Mm. The Nuggets game being a TNT game on at 8.30. Oh, great. So, it's brutal. Yeah, that sucks. It's absolutely brutal. But, like I said, I really think that we can win. Most of those games, and mm-hmm. I expect them to. I want to see them beat the Rockets. I want to see them beat the Mavs. 
I think we can beat the Spurs, and I think we can beat the Nuggets. We'll mm-hmm. probably drop one in that. Maybe on the back-to-back against the Nugs, they get us. But mm-hmm. bring it on. Yep. If we're a good team, bring it on. Yep. Um, shall we move on to an exciting segment of the show that is making its glorious return? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in about a month, we're going to bring back a fan favorite, back by popular request, an official reading of the stats. Ben, All right. bust out that paper. Take it away. Main point of the game is I looked up, you know, where the Jazz were in some advanced stats, uh, where they were ranked. I'm going to have Zach guess, then we're just going to talk about it. This is about as statistical as we get. We like stats to a certain point. The reading of the stats is the manifestation of these things. Yes. Okay. Jazz, where are they ranked in net rating? On offense? Just net rating. I have no idea what that exactly means. Okay. <laughs> so it's the combination of offensive rating and defensive rating. Okay. I do understand that, and I've now seen that step. What is the net rating, or where are we ranked amongst where, other teams? Where are we ranked? Four. Seventh. Ooh, near miss. Near mm-hmm. miss. Yes. So we're seventh in offensive rating and eighth And that's in on the season, right? Yes. Okay. Eight, so we had some bad play that's kind of yeah. weighed us down, but yes. the recent good play is bringing us back up. Exactly. Okay. So that, that's an interesting stat. Um, assist percentage. Where are we ranked? Once again, there's a lot to weigh us down, and now it's coming back. I'm going to say we're like probably 13th. 25th. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. I'm I, actually shocked by that. Yeah. I uh, I think it's because no Conley. Yeah. And, I, and I, we really played a lot of ISO ball early on. Yeah. And we still kind of do, but like the assists are going up through the roof. Mm-hmm. I think we average like 21 a game. They always make a big deal of it. Harping's always like in the third quarter. We just surpassed our daily average for assists per game. Mm-hmm. Jazz, where are they ranked in offensive rebound percentage? Probably bottom of the league. We're always going to be bottom of the league, and it's because Quinn teaches his guys to get back on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say we are 26th in the league. 27th. Wowzers. Good job. Wowzers. Good job to my co-host. No cheating on this show either. Uh, Where are we in defensive rebound percentage? I'm going to say that's a bit higher because Quinn teaches his guys to rebound on defense. Uh, 10th. 5th. Wow. That's impressive. Interesting disparity. Do you remember the beginning of the year when rebounding was a huge problem? Yeah. Long way we've come. Yeah, I think we've gotten a lot better than that. A lot better than that. Mr. Conley led the way. Mm-hmm. Jazz, where are they ranked in turnover percentage? Pretty high. Um, I was shocked to see against the Pacers that we had 21 turnovers that game. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like it. Yeah. Uh, but we did have 21. I'm going to say we're like probably like 18th. Mm-hmm. We are 23rd. Yeah. So, you know, relatively close. Where are we ranked in pace? Pace of play. Pace of play. 15th dead center of the pack 21st mm. so bottom 10 so just below that mm-hmm. to be fair off court our half court offense is a buzzsaw w- yeah where are we ranked in effective field goal percentage very high um sixth number two number two yeah wowzers yeah. can you believe it folks um <laughs> this should be an easy one. Can I comment on that last one real quick? Effective field goal percentage. Yeah. Did anybody see the shot chart against the Kings? I and I'm willing to bet it was the same against the Pacers. We took like, and I can't remember the distribution. We literally only took shots that were threes or dunks. Yeah. Like that was it. Like <sighs> mid-range shots, we took like, it was like six shots the entire game. It was incredible. And I think that goes to... I don't want to get too far into the numbers, but that's why our effective field goal percentage is huge. We shoot a lot of open threes and get a lot of layups and dunks. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the Jazz are ranked in screen assists? <laughs> you are a sicko. <laughs> um, I'm going to say number one. Congratulations, Zach. And it's by 
two more screen assists than the next team. Which is who? Oh, crap. I think it was the Celtics. Well, the Celtics suck. It's a yeah. swear word on this show. Yeah, we hate I them. hate the Celtics. Yeah. Here's an interesting one that I – here are clutch stats. So where do you think we are in clutch net rating? Very, very high. Um, two. Third. Close. 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 Donovan's on fire in the clutch, by the way. Fifth in defensive rating in clutch and third in offensive rating in the clutch. Yeah, I knew our clutch stats were, like, top of the league. Yeah. Donovan's top of the league. So what that told me was when we need to defend, we defend. We defend. Yes. Um, shall that. we move into the next segment of the show? Yes. That was the reading of the stats. That was an official reading of the stats, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first. Um, you now know where Utah Jazz rank amongst those other teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's how the show is going to break down. I know we're at the 51-minute mark. We try to keep this under 50 minutes. We did not exceed. Well, we've we, got an excellent – an ex. we only do one show a week, though, so get off our backs, right, people? No one says 50 – only one person says keep it at 50 minutes. Is it me? No. Oh, okay. They're not a jazz fan. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, here we go. This next show, game show, it's it's not reading of the stats, but maybe similar to it. This is the first time it's debuting on the airwaves here. Mm-hmm. We like to call it, right now, fact or fiction. All right. You're going to have to let us know what you think, Jazz fans. But how this is going to break down is I have thought of three fact statements that I'm going to read to Ben, and he's going to tell me whether or not they are fact or fiction, and then Why? After that, he is going to read me three fact-based questions, statements, and I will then explain the reasons why. We've divvied them up into three and three. Ben will read questions first, meaning that I will answer first, and then we will go on to my three questions mm-hmm. that I've prepared for Ben. Is uh, I'll start. Ready? Is Joe Ingles the best pick-and-roll ball handler on the team? It's a very thought-provoking question. Thanks for asking. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to ponder this question with me. Is Joe Ingles the best pick-and-roll player on the team? I'll tell you what. I think he is. I'm going to go ahead and say a fact. And the reason why is because nobody can stop that ball fake. (laughs) He gets in the lane, and he and Rudy have just got a thing rolling right now. And maybe it's only because we're playing bad teams they have bums as centers. Maybe this will like, change over time and we need Conley. Joe Ingles is an insanely effective pick-and-roll player. Yeah. Don't you agree? I f- he's like a better point guard than I felt like Rubio was for this offense. 100% agree. And it's, it's, it's like thing. this really slow motion, like drawn out, and then this ball fake he's that just somehow off. everybody buys every time. And it's like a layup. He's got this little knuckleball floater. And he's a great passer, like in the paint. Like he's got a way of getting Rudy the ball that's just dunk, dunk, dunk. I'm a fan of that. I buy it. Fact. Fact. Okay. I will say, though, we haven't seen the best of Mike Conley pick and roll yet. That's We I haven't. And, I, and that's like I'm a little bit like Conley coming back could be pretty mean if he figures out that mm-hmm. pick and roll with Rudy. Like we saw against the Pacers, he had that little pass flip where he flipped it to him, and Rudy didn't fumble the ball, first of all, and he didn't bring the ball down, which we wouldn't have seen two years ago. Mm-hmm. Led to a dunk. Anyways, next. Uh, Royce O'Neal got an extension, four years, three, $36 million. Um, fact. That is that is a fact. That was not what I was going to ask. <laughs> uh, is he overpaid? Many people, not, not people who watched the Jazz, said he was overpaid. Wow. Yeah. So do you think he's overpaid? I I think he is not overpaid. So I believe that if the question is, is he overpaid, fiction. He's not overpaid. And let me tell you why. I got a CBS notification to my phone that said, Royce O'Neal, who's averaging 5.6 points and 4.3 rebounds a game, agrees to contract extension. And I was like, good for freaking Royce and hallelujah for the Utah Jazz <laughs> because I think he probably could have been making 10, 11, 12 million on the free agency market this year. I was really worried about our ability to keep him. And I think he brought up, you know, 
what he does for this Jazz team is there are so many things that go unmentioned. Yeah. He is an elite defender. He is, an, and I would say he's on the upper echelon of elite athletes in the league. Like with his defense and stuff like that, it manifests. He's shooting forty six percent from three on the year. He's worth nine million. He's worth every penny of nine million. I would say he's underpaid. Do you think so? Yes. I do you do. think his value is really twelve million? I was worried like a team like Atlanta would give him like fifteen or Orlando or Orlando. Yeah, well, they Orlando do that. Money. Like a team that needs just like someone who can play basketball. I thought they were gonna pay him like he's just look. He's proven he can start in the in the NBA for sure. And that's nine million a year is not starter money. He is the ideal role player too. Like yeah. he, he's another guy that Quinn can say, "Hey, we need you to." He's tough as. I nails. wish he'd start shooting the ball more. I wish we could get him more shots. Yeah. But once again, with the distribution that they have right now, why why change it? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Royce fan. Fiction. He is not overpaid. Underpaid. He's underpaid. Next uh, question. This was inspired by an SLC dunk article. Now we're stealing from you. No, we're not. We just credited them. What are you talking about, Ben? No, we're listen. And w- the question is: Is Jordan Clarkson Jamal Crawford the next Jamal Crawford? <laughs> First of all, I saw that article and I didn't even read it because here's the answer: No, because he can pass the ball. Jamal Crawford or Jordan Clarkson? Jordan Clarkson is not Jamal Crawford because he can pass the ball. He hustles and he at least tries on defense. He finishes at the rim. There's a whole bunch of stuff that Jamal Crawford can't do that Jordan Clarkson does. I actually think he's probably better like as a teammate. Jordan Clark, Jamal Crawford was a total liability on defense. Even like when he was like sixth man of the year and everyone was like, oh, he's so good. Like that series we played against the Clips. Jamal, he got on the floor, on the floor um, Crawford did, and Quinn Snyder salivated. And he was like, yep, this is an easy bucket. Yeah. Easy bucket. He's I don't bad. think the same can be said of Clarkson. I, I get he's not a great defender. He's nowhere close to Crawford. I actually agree with that. Crawford's historically bad. Historically bad. But uh, I was actually thinking about this, and we can't just compare every like player off the bench that can score to Jamal Crawford because – that's just dumb. Okay, you hear me, SLC Dunk? That's dumb. Yeah, that's a bad bad take, boys. I yeah. mean, yeah. you're, you're better than that. And and to be honest with you, Jordan Clarkson's better than that, and he deserves more than that. Mm. Way more than that. All right. Your turn to ask me questions. My turn to ask you questions. Um, I've thought of some good ones that I think you're going to respond to here. The first one, and this is a thought-provoking, bench-related question. Is Tony Bradley a playoff-caliber backup center for this Utah Jazz team? <laughs> you know how obsessed I am with this whole Tony Bradley thing. I'm actually going to say... Fact uh, or fiction? I'm going to say fact. You think that Tony Bradley is an NBA-caliber starting center that we can rely on during the playoffs? Well, backup center. Backup center. Backup center. Yes. I don't know how well, but I think, like, if we just put him in for 10 minutes, I'm not dying. Like, I feel like he'll get some boards, he'll do his best, he'll be big, and that's it. I, like, I would like to improve the backup center. I think the Jazz would, too. But I think going into the playoffs, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. The other thing I'd add to that, not to steal your question, I do think he needs to not foul as much. Very coachable. And yeah. he'll have time to yeah. develop over the next while. If he could just not foul as much, I would not have any qualm with Tony Bradley. Another thing about fouls in the NBA, it's like a lot of times bad defenders foul. Yep. But that's, that's not necessarily the case with Tony. I think he's like just a little slow moving and he's big. And the calls don't always go his way. And if you're a center and you're physical, you're gonna get you're gonna get called for fouls. That's kind of the thing. Uh, I, I that's a very interesting question, and I think it kind of helps alleviate some of the trade talk. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, w- I think we could get better, but I, like going into the playoffs, I wouldn't be like, eh. 
this is going to kill us. Yes. Don't put Tony in. Yeah. Okay. The next question, this may get a little bit of fire from the gut of Mr. Ben Jones. Are screen assists a worthwhile stat to be keeping? Whew. Uh, no. That's fiction. That's bullcrap. And here's why. We'll talk about the David Locke tweet in this thing later on. But especially with the Jazz, the fact that we lead the league, our team... In screen assists, it, it should not be a worthwhile stat because that's what our offense is. We rely on the screens, on the picks from the big men. Like, come on. My second point, David Locke said uh, Rudy Gobert had, like, counted it as an actual stat. People freaked out about it. Because he said that he got a triple-double. Yes. And I here's, here's what I'm going to say to David Locke and to people that think screen assists uh, are a good individual stat. You are taking away from what Rudy Gobert actually brings on the floor by having to mention screen assists. Why? Because it's it's embarrassing. Because it doesn't really show, like, how good Rudy actually is. You're, you're, You're trying to, like, bring a stat and say, here's, you know, I'm trying to find something, a reason that Rudy Gobert's better and doesn't deserve enough credit. It's not because of screen assists. It's because of his effect. And sometimes an effect doesn't show up in stats. I'm sorry, David Locke, but guess what? We shouldn't be monitoring screen assists when all you do is you screen a player. It's dumb. It is stupid, and I'm. it makes me embarrassed. Because it's. it just should not be there. It, we shouldn't even be talking about it. And Rudy Gobert does so many other things that we should be talking about. That's my entire point. My entire point. That Rudy Gobert doesn't get talked enough talked about enough, but you have to mention screen assist, which is a team thing, which is a it's not even like how good of a screener is, it's just the quantity of screens that we run. There we go. I I think that might have been your first official rant. No. I ranted in, like, the second episode. Come on. Well, you know, I'm proud of you. Yeah. You got that off your chest, and I, I think it's a valid point. I, I think Rudy does so many other things that we don't need to be track. Plus, how do you even count that? Like, what constitutes a screen assist? Like, if what? Zaza <laughs> Pachulia averaged 15 screen assists a game when Steph Curry would crowd. Like, come on. It's just there's other things to discuss, like defense and ability to dunk. Yeah. Catching a ball, which Rudy can do now. Okay, moving on to our last question. This will finish up the segment, and then we'll end the show. Yeah. Quinn Snyder will bring Mike Conley off the bench for the rest of the season. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Here's why. The Pelicans game, I noticed in particular, it was it turned it was kind of like a playoff game where we resorted to isolation and depending on Donovan, and Donovan showed up. But, like, we were really only depending on Donovan and Boyan in that fourth quarter and the, and the overtime. And when Mike Conley comes back, he's going to be able to, like, score in those situations, in high-pressure situations when, you know, maybe the screen, the off-ball screens and the stuff we won run doesn't necessarily work. That's when we need creators. And I think Mike Conley's going to be that guy. I think we saw some of it in the Pacers game. And the ball movement he brings is unbelievable. I think uh, I my hope is that Joe can be the same player off the bench, but I'm at the point where he's played so well that you have to start Joe Ingles. So I think Royce comes off the bench. I, I and I agree with that, and it's it's kind of the conundrum of the universe. Well, and, and Royce, to be fair, he doesn't deserve to sit either. No way, no way. I think we wait until something happens, and then Conley. Once Conley, you know. There you go. Is hundred percent, or he, you just can't take him off the floor. Um. So yeah, I think that was a fun and riveting game of factor fiction. Yeah, that was fun. Fans, if you're listening, please let us know what you think. Um, mm-hmm. We hope that was thought provoking. It's what you hear around the water cooler at work. It's what your friends probably talk about. You might even catch it on a Reddit string for all our Reddit fans out there. Um, Ben, anything you'd like to add on uh, closing the show? Uh, do we want to read our five-star reviews now? Nah, people can go read them on their own. Thanks, folks, for commenting. <laughs> but I, th- I feel like we got to credit the listeners. Credit know? the listeners, Ben. 
I'll be quick. Uh, now that I've made myself the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> All the listeners hate you now. No, I'm just kidding. Five stars for Ben, zero stars for Zach. <laughs> AFB sh- says, passionate, informative, and fun. If you're a jazz fan, you'll love this. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Do we read this next Austin one? Austin Fugel Burton Show. Next yep. one. <laughs> Jazzy Girls says, Jazz City Chick, ja- Jazz City Chick. Just wondering, since we talked about Quinn Snyder's haircut, can we talk about D. Mitch's goatee looking like Mr. Tumnus? I would let Jingling Joe Ingles jingle my Joes, am I right? Ha ha. Or, no, not ha ha. ha. Amazing killing of the game. Thanks, Hannah. We appreciate the five star. One review. hell of a review. Yeah. Do we have another listener of the show? Is that news? This is not news, but I did want to end the show on a high note. Jazz fans and listeners of the All That Jazz podcast, we do have a personal note from Coach. We're going to end the show with this thought that he's directed to you as listeners of the All That Jazz show because we know that you're the most passionate jazz fans out there. Quinn had this to say. This is dedicated to all you listeners. There are some places where the fans understand and connect with the team. And then there's another level where the fans see beyond to an individual player and whether he's playing well or coming back from an injury, in Mike's case, or guys that need support at a given time during the game. They're really, really intuitive and compassionate when they need to be. Fiery when need to be. They just have a great feel for the game and their role. I think our fans, they're not just the observers. They're not the typical sports fans. They're jazz fans. And there's a difference between being a sports fan and being a jazz fan. So does Quinn listen to the show now? I can tell you this. I dedicate that statement to all of you who are listening. That's personal to you. All of you. From Coach Quinn Snyder, because you are a Utah jazz fan and because you're listening to two guys in a basement recording, I mean studio, recording a podcast who are just like you fans. We love you. We leave you with the words of Quinn Snyder. And until next time, go Jazz. Go Jazz.